Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James, and as ever, I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe and Andy Howell. Good afternoon, chaps. Afternoon, Hi, Benjamin. Hi. Good afternoon, son. You all right? Not too bad, not too bad. Can I just make a point at the start of this podcast? It is uh, Thursday, Thursday afternoon, and Ben has got his Saturday Night fever disco dancing shirt on. Oh, Have you ever seen a shirt like that, Matt? Look at the daps as well. The I boys are ready to go. I don't know. It, it's summer. It can't be student night tonight, Ben. It costs. It costs nothing to look good. Um, only kidding. It costs quite a lot to be honest. Got <laughs> <laughs> his smart shoes on. Oh yes, I've done it. He's got ready a feeling go. he's off somewhere later. Okay. Um, Anyway, let's cut to the chase. Yeah, now, now that we got now that, <laughs> now we got that up now that we got pocket sized cockwine out of the way, let's get on. With ooh, it. ooh, it's a bit of shame. It's going to be a tasty one. I can feel it's it. Going to be a tasty podcast. Yeah. Before we get on to the rugby, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, give it a like, subscribe, uh, and review on iTunes. Um, we're recording three podcasts a week during the World Cup and. Believe it or not, we won't be as sort of organised as we are now. It could be on any day, so uh, uh, it's, not, it's not our fault. It's the schedule of the World Cup. Yeah, you know, if you're going to bl- if you're going to blame anyone, blame World Rugby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the only way to sort of really know exactly when we're going to be doing the next podcast and uh, get notifications on your phone is subscribing on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to. So that's that little bit of housekeeping out the way. Let's get on to the rugby. Mm. Um, and Wales have named their team to face Ireland today. You two gentlemen were at the press conference while I was uh, sat in the office. Um, Holding the fort, son. Yeah, picking yeah. out, picking I, out I, my shirts. I thought, you were say, I thought you were going to say you were slaving away then, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, interesting team selection. Um, just uh, one survivor in a starting lineup from that beat England, 13-6, and that is uh, James Davis, who in my opinion deserves another chance because I think he only lasted about a quarter of that game before having to go off with the injury. Uh, concussion. Uh, Ireland as well have picked as a uh, sort of mix and match team, so it should be, you know, uh, two competitive teams about the same level. So it'd be a good test for all the players on show. Some uh, some interesting selections there with uh, Wales. Um, Scott Williams, big opportunity for him, or he's got to show something. Seven months out, the likes of Alan Amos, Steph Evans, Samson Lee coming back from injury. They'll be closely uh, uh, monitored. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting team. I'd like the look of it actually. Yeah, it should be a good uh, good little run out. They're not not holding out a great deal of hope over the quality of the match, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh it tends to be in these occasions where you've made, you know, fourteen changes, Ireland have made a load of changes. You end up with combinations that are so so. Um perhaps a few players might try a bit too hard as well, probably a few errors. So I'm not uh, I may be proved totally wrong in that, but uh, I'm not expecting a, a classic, so to speak, uh, without putting too much of a dampener on it. But there is. Let me just point out, he has been on a downer all day. I don't know why, but you know, it's a busy man. Is busy ah, day, isn't this it? This is symptomatic of his day. Look, <laughs> all I'm all I'm saying is like, there's a lot on his mood. <laughs> Are you about to have it now as well? On when we when we go head to head, let me tell you. Um, yeah, so it's um, there's a lot on it for a few of the players. So there is that, but there's a lot of changes, and it's difficult to get into a flow, isn't it? But you know, it should be a decent, decent afternoon. Lots to talk about. Obviously, the day well, they will be on Saturday, the day before the um, the squad announcement. So, you know, there's a lot on it, but I'm not sure it's going to be a classic. Two debut makers, Owen Lane on the wing, Luce yep. Carey, Luce said uh, prop. Could they emerge from this match, big performances, and be World Cup bolters? Looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, 
it's it's a it's a possibility and sort of absent of bolters uh aren't we really if you, if you look at everyone in that squad apart from those two have, have got at least a handful of caps and i suppose that that comes down to sort of the the investment gatlin's made in sort of depth in the last year having those 60 players at the veil um for that meeting was that last oh, crikey that feels like ages ago isn't it I mean, the last podcast feels like ages ago. So oh, whenever, is... whenever that was, was that last July, September, August, September time before the start of last season? Uh, yeah, it was a long old time ago. But that's sort of systematic of this investment in depth that Gatlin's put in. But you mentioned Owen Lane there, and you've mentioned that the squad is being announced on Sunday, which means that Warren Gatlin and his coaches will be sitting down Saturday night to do it, as, as we will to discuss the, the, the big things. Um, we'll put ours out in podcast form. I, I doubt they will. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> think we're, they're going to be broadcasting live from the hotel oh, room, I wouldn't have thought. But. You'd love to listen in. Oh, but, yeah. Um, that's, that's not one for us. But anyway, so we'll listen to what Gatlin said because there's uh, at least one shootout in the squad uh, between the two fly halves, and this is what he had to say about it. Probably, yeah, probably. So, um the Jared gets an opportunity. We know a little bit more about Reese Patchell, so you know the, the pressure is on him to, and he understands that fully about going out and starting the game and being able to control the game. And then for uh, Reese, probably get the second half is then him coming on and making an impression as well. So um, yeah, so I think two of them are pretty aware of um, they'll get that chance on Saturday, and um, you know it's a, probably a shootout between the two of them. Okay, so that's what Warren Gatlin had to say about that little shootout between Jared Evans and Reese Patchell. Uh, for my money, I think there's a couple more shootouts in the squad. On my piece of paper in front of me, I got I got three mm. potential shootouts. So they're all in the backs division. So yeah. I'm gonna turn a bit of role play now uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm gonna pretend I'm Warren Gatland. Uh, I'm just gonna get in a character, and I want you two to convince me. Um, which which way I should go on each of these three shootouts? Well, as things stand, which ones? Because I mean, I saw people suggesting there was a shootout in the, in the pack as well. Um, but what for my it? money, it's all sorted. Where, where, where in the pack? As far as I'm concerned, Shingler um, and James Davis. I think James Davis is up against it big time there. So I'm not even saying that's a Unless shootout. They take Shingler as a lock. Yeah, don't see it. But uh, I think, yeah, the three we've got, they're in a back line. Yeah, let's, let's start the with the one that Gatlin mentioned there. Um, play half. Mm. Jared Evans or Reese Patchell? Who's going to defend? Who's going to... I, I let pitch? Andy go first on this because I'm, I'm feeling like I'm that kind of guy today. So oh, here's the floor. The floor is yours. Yeah. I would take uh, Jared Evans uh, based on the following, because the following criteria. He's been excellent for Cardiff Blues. His game's really developed. And, uh, you know, he's largely played number 10 for the Blues with uh, Garth Ansgar would have been Wales outside after the World Cup having to play at fullback. So that shows how good a player the Blues see uh, Jared Evans. He's creative. I think he gives extra possibilities in attack. He attacks the game line. He can run himself. He's a classic Welsh outside half, a stocky, strong hips. And uh, he's good at bringing people onto the ball, puts the ball into gaps. And if people are running at the, into those gaps, the pass will take them through him. Um, his kicking game is still a little bit work in progress, but that's improved uh, enormously, and his confidence is grown, which is uh, which you know, Reese Paschal has been the opposite for him because uh, he was excellent for Wales in Argentina last summer, but since then, concussion, the latest concussion of his career, 
and it's worrying. Plus hamstring injury, derailed it, and his confidence evaporated to half the scarlets. He was a shadow of the player. He had been uh, months previously, come the end of last season. And uh, um, unless he unless he can prove something in his 40 minutes on a pitch this weekend that he's got his confidence back, I think uh, it's a no-brainer, really. Jared Evans must go ahead of him. There we go. No-brainer, Matt. Come on, what you got in response? Well, everything, er- everything that Andy's just pointed out about Jared Evans is is everything Reese Patchell has. But what Reese Patchell has as well is a kicking game. And he has experience. As we've said, he's, he's proven that he can control test matches at this level. He's got experience in very difficult situations, i.e. going to Twickenham under a lot of pressure from Eddie Jones. Didn't go well for him, but it was a learning curve. Later that year, he comes back in Argentina and runs the show for two tests in South America. Um, at which point, by the way, he came back a, a favourite to take the fly-off spot over Gareth Anscombe. So let's not discount him too much. Um, Jared Evans is a very exciting prospect. Don't get me wrong. I've I voiced my concerns over his size and his stature and his defensive capabilities at test level. But Reese Patchell does everything Jared Evans does in attack. Um, he kicks better. Um, I take your point on the confidence. It's clear we all saw it at the end of last season that um, his confidence was shot. Uh, we don't quite know where he is on on that front. But what we do know is that he is a quality operator. He's got all the handling skills that you need. He's a good kicker, which is is vital, really, in Warren in a Warren Gatland side. Um, so I, we do need to see where his head's at in the second half. Uh, but at this point in time, I probably edge more towards him than Jared Evans. I thought you were going to make a comment about size then, Andy. Well, you, Matthew, your eyes lit up when he said about size. He's sizes, doesn't he? And I would argue, uh, you know. Certainly on last season, that Jared is a better defender than Reese Patchell based on last season. Because Patch, as. How many Wayne test Pivot matches said, did he play last Wayne, season? Wayne Pivot said and uh, Warren Gatland that uh, Patchell was missing tackles as head had gone on the tackling front because of the knock. And I can understand it because he's had some horrendous head injuries. You can, count, um, you can count on one hand the number of minutes Jared Evans has played at test level. Yes, yeah, so he's a, he's a European winner with the Cardiff Blues. Beat one Challenge of the top cup. English teams in Gloucester <laughs> in the final. You so, missed so, that. So, so, uh, so you say count on it one hand a minute, yeah, yeah, which is true. At some stage, a player's got to make his debut at test level. Look at the All Blacks. Now. Two look, weeks before the World Cup. Look at the All Blacks. They've thrown in a lot of rookies. Uh, rookies, rookies, <laughs> rookies, 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 rookies. <laughs> rookie props I think, I think in their World I think he's on the podcast next week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I hope he is. Yeah. Come on, James. Come and join us. Uh, they've thrown in, uh, they've thrown in, uh, they picked rookies. Steve Anson has picked rookies in a number of positions because he's in panic mode. Ah, all right. So in... in uh, on that basis, if Warren Gatland was to pick Jared Evans, he'd be in panic mode no, as well. No, he's not in panic mode. He's seen a lot of him. Oh. Seen enough of him in training. Seen enough of him, likes to look at him. And this situation is exactly like 2011. Reese Patchell, Reese Patchell, Reese Priestland, thrown in at the deep end, came good and was pivotal in Wales reaching the semi-finals. Unfortunately, he couldn't play in the semi-final because he was injured. There we go. I think that is the first one put to bed. I'm going to go with Matt on this one. Oh. I think... Mainly just for that last point, where he's just <laughs> accusing Warren Gatland of panicking. That's um, that's done it for me because I am Warren Gatland and I'm certainly not panicking. There you go. That on the record. Yeah. Next it'll, up, it'll all come down to Saturday. Oh yeah, uh, and, and of yeah. course, what well, you know, Gatland wants and what we want is really competitive match. Two teams going at it for the full eighty minutes, so both those players are tested. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Um, next up is in the centre. It's Owen Watkin or Scott Williams. And um, just for the sake of clarity, I'm probably going to side with Andy on this one just so we get a nice little decider. But what? don't let that don't let that cloud this uh, debate. <laughs> Scandalous. He's making his decision before oh. you've actually spoken. What's I going know. on here? It's a disgrace. Well, you know, obviously, my, I know the player you're going to go with. Well, my decision is Scott Williams, and you know. First of all, let's get out of the way. He's had his injuries this season. It's his first game since January. His first test since last summer. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. But a fully fit Scott Williams has got, just simply got quality that can't be left behind. He's proven at this level, which counts for a lot as far as I'm concerned. He he scores tries in big matches. You know, I'm thinking Twickenham, Ireland. Um, He scored against the All Blacks, I believe, as well. He's played at two World Cups. And and you know you watch him for the Ospreys at the start of the season, and he's got all he's still got it all. He can kick, he can pass, offload. You know he can get on the outside of somebody as well. He's a big unit. I just think he's got a lot going for him, and I think based on where he was at the start of this training camp up until now, from the various points that I saw him, there was a distinct improvement in fitness every time. And um, you know Owen Watkin. I don't want to sound like I'm down on him because I do talk about him a lot like this, but I don't think he's taken his chances to come through. I know they've been limited, and I think he had his best game against Italy in the Six Nations, obviously scoring a try, but I, I just don't think he's grabbed that chance. I think, you know, when you go into a World Cup, you take what you know and what you can trust, and I think that's Scott Williams. Go on, Ace. That was almost a compelling argument by uh, <laughs> What let it down was the fact that Scott has hardly played any rugby. I think he played eight games last season and he hasn't appeared on a rugby pitch in a playing capacity since early January in a match against Worcester Warriors European Challenge Cup. Owen Watkin, during that time, has been playing consistently well for the Ospreys and he has done well when he has come on for Wales. Man of the match, end of season, playoff uh, playoff for a place in next season's Champions Cup. Uh, and who was he up against that day? Jonathan Davis and Hadley Parks. And is that true? I think believe, I was on yeah, all the time. I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, that, you know, that says it all. Against one of the top centres in the world, Jonathan Davis, so Owen Watkin, who came out on the top. He's been in the Wales uh, centre for so long. Gatman's per uh, a uh, great store in him, and uh, I think you've got to go along with that. The World Cup and uh, Parks and Davis are Wales's first choice centres, but I'm sure, I believe that Owen Watkins can fit in and do a, a good job. He's a lot younger, uh, he's quite robust, got a bit of speed about him. Good defender, another player who can uh, rip in the tap as well, rip the ball away. Uh, he can actually go in and do a bit of a job at the uh, breakdown as well in midfield. I think he's an exciting prospect. If he gets the opportunity, we'll take it. So go with him. We need some youngsters in our squad. Ask um, who is it, Courtney Laws, if Scott Williams can rip a ball as well, mind. Yeah, I know that. Fully oh, aware of it. Let me, nice. What year was that? 2012, I was. How many years ago? He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, still got it. Don't worry about him. He's uh, still got it. Trust me. Well, he is. Good boy. Uh, I would edge towards Scott Williams, but I accept my colleague differs. Well, like I said to you off air, I, <laughs> with Scott, I think it's a decision that isn't going to be as close as it probably should be. I think the lack of rugby Scott's played and the stock that Wales are putting on Watkin could make it a fairly simple decision for them when really 
this should be a flip of the coin decision. But I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be Owen Watkin. I'd be inclined myself actually to take be... four centres. Mm. Not sure. Because Japan's five. a long way away if anything happened to Jonathan Davis. Got George North. He's not really a, he's a good play centre. I was just really about to give you the points then. Mm. Now you're coming in with that apologist four centres. That's, that's not good. I would, t- I would take him four centres anyway. <laughs> oh, that's, another, that's another argument for another yeah, day. Well, um, yeah. Anyway. We'll park that one. Right, Carl, what's the I'm, decider? I'm going for a walking. So this is the decider. That's um, absolute nonsense. Hmm. That's, that, that's why you were sat in here, Warren Gatlin's up the veil, son. Anyway, right. on we go. Well, he's leaving soon. Uh, <laughs> I've got a CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is the decider. Not a C5. Sit run. <laughs> um, and there's been a bit of niggle in these debates, but I think... This should this should take it a bit higher, and if we get if things get personal, things get personal. We'll, uh... <laughs> so Owen Lane or Hallam Amos? Um, who wants to take this one first? And I'll uh, let uh, I go with Owen Lane, despite <laughs> over the years. jump straight in, son. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you snooze, you lose. Um, Owen Lane, but Amos. Obviously, I've seen loads of Amos over the uh, years, but uh, Owen Lane is just X factor. When he gets a sniff of that trailer and an opportunity, he makes it stick. He's one of those players where you, I would argue with Amos, it doesn't quite happen very often. He might not quite have the pace to get to the try line. Uh, whereas Owen Lane has just got something about him that he is so dangerous when he's got the ball. Big man, intelligent rugby player, though Amos is as well, in fairness. Um, fast knows exactly what he's doing to beat people on the outside. He can come in looking for work. He's an used to played a lot at centre and age grade rugby. And that's the other big plus at me. Uh for me, going back to what we just talked about, Owen Watkin or Scott Williams, that if you took Owen Lane with you as well, he could potentially cover outside uh, centre, where I got a feeling in future years he could play a lot of rugby for Wales. Um I think he's a fantastic prospect. And to me, there's no doubt about it. Wales need try scorers, and Owen Lane is a better try scorer than Alan Amos. And there's no reason why Owen Lane can go there and put himself right in the mix to be in that World Cup starting 15, which I don't think Amos could if he went. What we, what we don't know about Owen Lane is whether or not he can score tries at test level. What we do know about Alan Amos is that he's scored a try every other game in each of his, in the last eight games for Wales. I wonder what he was doing on his phone. Four tries in the last eight games for Wales. So, you know, what we do know is that he's coming into a bit of form at this level. Um, he's, he's a very assured operator now at test level. I thought he was coming back into some of his best form, actually, and really sort of coming into his own at, at the top level before injuries sort of gone his way and then he lost his place. You know, other players came in, came to the fore again. Uh, but he was he was one of the key components of a successful tour last summer. And I think he's more than an able deputy to the players in the squad. He can cover fullback and wing, uh, which are, which are obviously bodes well for him. I don't think he need cover at centre because we've got three plus George North, which I think is fine for that department. Um, so I just think again, you know, you take you you take what you know. I I totally accept it, and this is not me being down on Owen Lane because I totally accept that he's a fantastic prospect and and has been a fantastic player at regional level for the last few years. Uh, however, you know, is one game enough to to prove that you can do it at the very top level 
you know, two or three weeks out from a World Cup. I'm not sure. So, you know, we know Hallam Amos can cut it, you know, against the best in the world. So that's why he gets my vote. Can he cut it against the best in the world? Though? We saw in New Zealand in 2016, they run him ragged. That's he couldn't right. handle the pace three really. Years, well, Dad Ben Smith. Ago. Well, you're saying he's got a lot quicker. Well, I'm saying he's scoring tries now. What I'm concerned with uh, Alan Amos is he hasn't quite got the pace, the very top level. He won't uh, us. There we go. That didn't get as personal as I was hoping it would. Um, <laughs> good arguments on both sides. Uh, nice from Andy. Good use of maths from Matt. <laughs> and unlike um, Augustine Pichot, I, I, I don't discount maths too quickly. So um, this is a tough decision. I think it's going to come down to who wants it more. So which one of you is going to be the first one to admit that I am wearing a really nice shirt today? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't admitting that. I'd rather lose, so give him the point. There we go. Owen Lane's on the plane. <laughs> right then, I think it's time to take some fan questions. Um, let's kick things off with the first one. Hey, this is Sean from uh, Blackwood. Uh, I was just looking at the, the squad, and with the exclusion of uh, Corey Hill from the team, do you think he's going to make the World Cup squad? Good question there. But before we get your answers, uh, we're going to get Warren Gatland to answer that particular question. Corey's um, he's had an injection in his, his ankle, just a cortisone. Um, he was, he's been scanned. There's nothing showed up on the scan. He's just getting a bit of referred pain, and... Uh, um, the injections seem to have improved it, so he's just been off his feet at the moment, and um, hopefully he's up and running. He's been doing some running and stuff, so um, it's just been precautionary with him, and um, hopefully um, we'll see what happens on Saturday, whether he gets named on Sunday. Okay, so that's what the Wales coach has to say about Corey Hill, just uh, precaution, being cautious with the second row, but do we buy that? Uh, I don't, uh, fully. Uh, not fully, because uh, Hill hasn't played since the scoring a try against England, tail end of February, was it? Uh, because of a, a, an ankle problem. And, uh, you know, he hasn't taken a full part in Wales training uh, camp camps. Gatman said today that he's been off his feet for uh, for a couple of weeks uh, before then had him, but he has been doing some uh, uh, some running. There was talk a few weeks ago, it was a stress fracture, and then uh, it wasn't a stress fracture. Um so I would suggest he is behind, not is he behind in his training, but will he be fit enough for the World Cup? However, I think Gatlin is desperate to take him to the World Cup because he sees Corey Hill, who captain Wales in Argentina, as one of his main leaders and, uh, you know, could have a big role to, uh, to fill in the squad as a leader, as a second-row contender, and as a, a particularly helping Alan Wynne-Jones with leadership duties. Yeah, it is a... It is a- a touch of a concern that he's not seen any action since then, isn't it? I mean, in an ideal world, everybody gets a run out before Japan. We saw our rusty Wales were at Twickenham a few weeks ago because they hadn't played in such a long time. So, you know, you want all your players going going out to Japan battle hardened, but you know, he he was a shoe in uh, in this squad, wasn't he? Until until we realised the extent of his injury. So, you would have thought Gatlin would be inclined to to take him, even if there is a slight risk there. Um, but you know, it would be harsh on someone like Jake Ball um, to take a player like that who is um, who's carrying a knock. You know, who may potentially be taking 
taking places in the squad. Bradley Davis as well might be looking at this in a similar light, who's, who's obviously getting a chance this time out. So, you know, you wouldn't want to take you you wouldn't want to take too many um, players who are struggling, but Corey Hill has proven his worth in the Wales squad for some time. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's named in a Wales Cup, uh, squad for the World Cup, and even if he doesn't make the plane, because obviously they can draft and replace him for him. I uh, can name him in a squad now. What date they actually leave, Matt? Uh, September the tenth or eleventh. Yeah, so you've got some extra days yeah. to play with before making mm-hmm. a final decision. Um, you know, with his injury as well, then could have a um, knock-on effect. How many locks, specialist locks, you actually take at the World Cup? If you're taking Coriel, does that mean you've got to have to take Jake Ball as a lock and uh, not consider Alan Shingler as a lock cover? So you'd have to take Shingler if you're going to take him as a as a back rower. Well, if we think, are we, are we expecting them to take four second rows, five back rows? Yeah. If, if way, that's the case, the then looking, yeah. I think the injury to Falatek was probably nailed on those four and yeah, four yeah. second rows, five back rows, which yeah, you know, I, think, yeah. I think they can probably afford to take Corey Hill to the World Cup, even if he's not. Yeah, probably. Even if he's going to miss, say, the first week or two, because yeah. Shingler can cover the second row. Uh, the only thing is, the first week or two are big weeks for Wales. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got... Yeah, George's pack will be a test, obviously. You've got... Um, Australia, Australia, and got, then you've got, uh, Fiji. got Australia within six days of the Georgia game. So mm. you don't want to be, you know, if anything, you want to be resting players for the Uruguay game, which is something that was alluded to today. at the presser today. So, you know, I mean, it's tough, but Cor- you know, Coriel is has probably elevated himself to such a point in the side now where where they might be willing to take a risk on him. But you know, it doesn't sound great, does it, uh, at the moment? I didn't think it was this serious, but when you've got cortisone injections and people staying off their feet, then there's obviously an issue there. So we, we'll have to wait and see how serious that is. There we go. Um, from the back row, or the second row, rather, to the back row, this is the next question. Uh, hi, Wilson Lane. It's Brevia from Kenya. My question is, if Josh Navidi performs well in the number in the number eight jersey, the match against Ireland, what are the odds that he will get selected at number eight uh, during the Rugby World Cup in Japan? So we go. Good question there. It's nice to know we got listeners in Kenya. Certainly yeah. is worldwide. Yeah, decent question as well. Yeah, it is. Thanks very much. Right, that's in it. Absolute madness how, how far our views get. Yeah, Josh Navidi, number eight. I think, um, you know, he's clearly going there as the backup number eight, isn't he? And, um, you know, he's done it before it, at the regional level and whatever when he's been called upon, all the attributes to pull it off. And um, I think, yeah, it's just, just a case of giving him a bit more game time there against Ireland. I don't think there's any danger of him starting ahead of Ross Moriarty in that position uh, just yet because I think the the ideal back row that, that Wales could pick at the moment would have him at blindside alongside Moriarty and Tipperick. But um, certainly going as, as Moriarty's uh, sort of backup, I, I would say 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. Of course, that wasn't the question. The question was, politicians answer that was from you, Matthew. The question was, <laughs> will he play, if he plays well this week, will he play, at, will he be first choice number eight come the World Cup? Well, no, I don't think so. Right. Think that uh, position is nailed down for uh, Ross Moriarty and Navidi will be uh, just back up. Simple as that. There we go. And we'll stay in the back row. And I think this is a question that Andy, you in particular, are going to love. Oof. Hi, this is Nicholas from the Netherlands. 
I recently heard about uh, George Gregan's comments regarding uh, Wales's chances of winning the World Cup. He doesn't see it very likely. He believes they don't um, pose enough in attack. Um, I think Wales have a lot of attack-minded players. You look at Liam Williams, Josh Adams, George North, um, Jared Evans, even Dan Bigger to a point where you see his kick chase is another weapon in the armory, you know, in terms of attacking. And even the forwards are quite comfortable with ball in hand and, you know, you see them throwing the ball around. Um, but my question to you is is really about Justin Tipperick. Um, the back row has performed really well. I think Josh Navidi is really a turnover king, like a lot of Blues players tend to be. Uh, Wayne Wright is a future Wales captain in my mind, and uh, Moriarty, I think, will continue to get better. But you can't leave Tipperick out of out of a team, really, can you? Because he's such a footballer. So my question to you is, uh, would you agree with me that Tips could be utilised in the centre? He's got a great rugby brain, soft skills, um, you know, he can kick the ball, he's quick, he's got rugby now. Um he shouldn't seem out of place in the centre and being such a great footballer as well. Um, so would you agree? Um, yeah, interested to uh, hear your thoughts. Okay, thanks, bye. Clearly a man that knows his rugby. <laughs> <laughs> he does sound like he knows his rugby, to be fair. Yeah, he does. Yes, uh, on his other subjects. Uh, you know, as Ryan Jones has said, Shane Williams has said, training with the Ospreys, Justin Tippers could play anywhere on a pitch, the most talented player by a mile, can do anything, anywhere, at any time. And in an emergency, you know, I have read this in the past, in an emergency, I think Tippers could fit in at centre, but sorry, you can't risk him at a World Cup by throwing him into centre position just to get him in a team because there's others. Uh, players that Nicholas mentioned there, Wainwright and uh, Navidi as the flankers, and Tippers actually, since the retirement of Sam Warburton, He's tailored his game to Warren Gatlin's requirements. He's now playing more of a Sam Warburton role over the ball in the tighter stuff, and you don't see him so much in the uh, in the wider channels as, uh, as which is what he used to do uh, for Wales and the Osprey. So yeah, to, to me, it's a non-starter. Tipbridge at centre. If there was an emergency situation, they only take three centres to the uh, World Cup. Two of them got injured in a game. You could always switch Tipbridge to centre, and I'm sure he would do a sterling job. I don't think I need to add any more to that. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be rushing um, to get him into the midfield. Certainly, uh, but does he have the skills? It, it, it looks that way. Uh, would I be confident? No, but you know, could he do a job potentially? Thought you were going to go more emphatic with your answer there. To be honest, that was quite nice and uh, diplomatic. Uh, of course, sitting on a fence. <laughs> Speaking of um, sort of Fences? diplomatic. Oh, yeah. no, not offences. <laughs> <laughs> diplomatic answers or not so diplomatic answers from politician-esque figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We got a question from Boris Johnson. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Pichot and his comments. Let's throw that one in the mix. Gus Pichot, Augustin Pichot, great Argentine captain, now vice chairman of World Rugby, has come out and says he says he wants to change the world for rankings because Wales are number one in the world. Says they haven't beaten him. I'm beating New Zealand, uh, so they shouldn't be number one. Well, Wales couldn't beat New Zealand, do no uh, winning run, fourteen record 14 victories in a row, simply because we didn't play them. Yeah. However, we played everyone else, 
and uh, we've played countries, Ireland, South Africa and Australia, we've all beaten New Zealand. So Gus, as a player, I got, uh, as an ex-player, and a person I know and got enormously respect for, I'm really disappointed with these uh, uh, remarks uh, because I think he's doing Welsh rugby a disservice. And if we meet New Zealand at the World Cup, there's, uh, you know, there's no reason why Wales cannot beat the All Blacks and Wales, to me, fully deserve number one status in the world. There is there is a slight update on this. Pichot has backtracked uh, on the comments in the last sort of hour or so. And he's gone to Twitter and said, um, it's not about Wales or Argentina or Italy. It's it's about that it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I think he's like, I don't really think that tones down his comments, does it? You know, he's basically saying it doesn't make sense that Wales are yeah, because he, because he said, didn't he, in his original thing, because they haven't beaten, uh, Wales haven't beaten New Zealand since 1953. Yeah. That's what he's basing his old comments on. He said if, if you look at football world rankings uh, and other sports, generally they're based on similar systems to what we see in rugby based on results over the last year, and it's a rolling sort of result thing. Mm. What, what, what other formula could you have? And, and you know, like, as I said on Twitter after I put the story out last night, it's not... It's not about, it's nothing to do with Wales. It's not their fault. Mm. You know, they, at the end of the day, they've won 15 out of their last 16 matches, which I don't know for a fact, but I know there was something put out recently, wasn't there, that their the winning ratio is better than New Zealand's in, in the last 12 months. So I see well, that it would somewhere. be, wouldn't it? Because yeah, it New Zealand be. have struggled to touch yeah. by their standards. So, I mean, you know, all, all they've done is win rugby matches. So, you know, Wales ain't mm. going to be bothered by this. And, you know, as far, I think everybody accepts really, don't they, that the world rankings, whilst they're nice, it's all about what happens next month, isn't it? Yeah. 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 They could talk in point, but, uh, I put, you know, I don't care about the world rankings, really. All I care is about Wales winning a World Cup, which is, uh, you know, something they could be capable of uh, doing. But I did think his comments yeah. were a bit harsh. I thought yeah. they were. And do you know what? Be- when I saw that the World Rugby chief hit out, I thought it was that other guy, Brett, the chief executive, Brett Gosper. Brett Gosper. You know the bloke who, before the last World Cup, said he wanted England to get through to the quarterfinals. Uh, you know, which meant at Wales' expense. Uh, of course, Wales did a job on England in the pool, bumbling England, by the way, and put England out of the tournament. So, old Gosper, and then he backtracked as well, like Pichot. Gosper backtracked and said, I only said that because England was hosting the tournaments and you always won the host to get through the later in the tournament. So, uh, you know, I'd almost ask, I'd almost ask, I'll ask Matt actually. Is there an anti-Wales bias <laughs> at World Rugby? Not the first time uh, Pichot's made comments specifically referring to Wales, because didn't he, he said something about the, the, the summer tour last year, and he, he just pointed out something about Wales. And then when he, made, when he put out those tweets of the statistics, which turned out to be misleading about foreign-born players, yeah. once again, that was heavily sort of aimed at Wales. He's not afraid to put his views out there. You know, he's, he's, he's very happy to speak his mind, isn't he? And, you know... As as I argued when the damn bigger thing blew up with um, JJ Williams, you know, <laughs> I'm not against these people speaking their mind because it gives us plenty to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, it, <sighs> people are saying that this this wouldn't happen. This only happened because New Zealand have lost their number one ranking and all this and that. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup, isn't it? And and I I just think it's a from Wales's point of view. They ain't going to care about this. They're no. just going to carry on the way they've been going. The thing I'd like to know is that he's moaning that the rankings are mathematical. I'd love to know what he's proposed. <laughs> well, yeah, look, like I said, they've won 15 out of 16 Championship games. Belts. They've won a Grand Slam. The only side they haven't beaten of any note 
really is New Zealand, and that's because they haven't played New Zealand. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not saying if they played tomorrow, Wales would win, but we don't know, do we? If Wales yeah. played uh, as they did against uh, England in the Six Nations, Ireland in the Six Nations, and I agree, England a couple of weeks ago in Cardiff, I'd be pretty confident in them beating New Zealand. Why I say that as well is because I personally believe that uh, New Zealand are on the wing. Bombshell. It's not a bombshell. <laughs> they're rebuilding at the wrong time. It's not their fault. They've got an aging team. They're in transition. Plus, they haven't got the depth they used to have because loads of their younger players now shoot off elsewhere to earn money before earning all black jerseys. There we go. That's, so that's, that's New Zealand rugby gone. <laughs> let's, let's, um... That's one out the way. Oh, I no, hope so. You've got, you got anything on the spring box for me now? Anything uh, on England? Potential winners of the World Cup. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> all right. So yeah, talk about backtracking there, um, which is probably a dreadful segue, to be honest, but the Welsh Rugby Union are going to review the 60 pack rule. Yeah, after the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, if anything, they're going to add it. I understand. From our colleague, Simon Thomas, who's a master of the 60 cap rule and has been, you know, into it from day one. Loves and the politics. He, he loves all the politics. He, he's advocating a system which the WIU may t- uh, take up, possibly. He might have, in, he could even have inside track that uh, re- the number of regional appearances will come into it. So say you've appeared, perhaps, figure Simon's used himself, say, 150 times for a region. After you, which could you know, that could take six or seven years, maybe longer, uh, to reach to attain. That uh, after that, then you will let you give a great service to rugby in Wales, and you could go outside Wales and uh, be picked uh, by the uh, national team. Uh, I think it's a good idea, and perhaps they close the the loophole like Rhys Carey is going to make his Wales debut on Saturday, but he's signed for Sarsens for next season. He's allowed to play for uh, Wales because he hadn't been. Uh, uh, and signed for uh, while well, he signed for Sassers because he hasn't been capped, and uh, yet we got a guy Reese Webb uh, who's playing out in too long, can't play for Wales. But it don't make any sense to me and to a lot of Welsh supporters. Like I, I don't like it's being dragged back up before the World Cup. I, I've said before that I wanted to see this whole Webb thing put to bed now for the time being because there are people in jerseys about to go and try and win the World Cup for Wales. However. What I will say is my main issue with the with the rule or the selection policy when it came in was that it, it sort of inferred that if you haven't played for Wales 60 times, then you haven't given enough to Welsh rugby. Um, I said at the time that I thought regional cap should have been t- accounted for or 10-year service or 8-year service or whatever uh, to a Welsh region because, you know, as we've seen in Webb's case, injuries have stunted his, his sort of progression in terms of caps. So, you know, to say what they're basically saying to Webb is that you didn't give enough to Welsh rugby um, for us to warrant, you, you know, you getting outside of this policy, which was which was ludicrous. Um, so, you know, it looks like they're going to address those things when they review it after the World Cup. But, you know, I mean, from my point of view now, you've got Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams and Alec Davis there who who are the men in, in the jerseys and deserve our full, full support. Yeah, of course, they, um, you know, they do need some sort of rule in uh, place because I, I would fear if there wasn't any rule in place, it could uh, result in an exodus of uh, of players to elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I know yeah, Australia, yeah. apparently New Zealand, even talking about reviewing their own eligibility rules. But I know there's a fear among hard and rugby people in Australia. They open the door in Australia, they'll have RV, anyone be, note they'll be playing rugby in Australia. And it, you know that could really damage Australian rugby. You know, I think I think the WIU bringing in what was originally called Gatlin's Law has has 
was a good uh, good idea and has worked uh, on a whole has worked well. There we go. Um, let's bring it back to Saturday. There is a game, mm. and we've spoken about it a, a bit, but I think it's time to put our necks on the line. Are you sure you want to do this now? Are you sure? My neck's been sore for the last two weeks. It's been, uh, it's been guillotine <laughs> that many times. I'm surprised your head is still attached to your shoulders. <laughs> so, so, Ben, what's your prediction? Oh, I'm due one, and I, um, you know, broken broken clocks and all that. Um, I'm going to go... Is that what Neil Warnock says with Cardiff City? I'm due one. Multi-sport. I like it. I'm going to go 17-12 to Wales. Get your money on Ireland. Sorry. Why are you saying that, man? He's had two wrong, hasn't he? Yeah, I have. Has he? Very yeah. wrong in the first one, might yeah. I add. Well, but I think we were all wrong in the first one. dredge out. Oh, he, yeah. was, he was 30 yeah. points worth of wrong, mind. Well, he's got the right scoreline, just got it the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with um, Wales 24, with my old mate Owen Lane getting on our score sheet to get a place. Pinch a spot in a World Cup squad. I really thought you were going to say hat trick then. I don't yeah. know why. No, I'm going to go for 24. I'm going to go for 24 uh, 12, oh. even though, you know, Ireland, we could get a reaction from them and the, the gravity of their defeat at Twickenham last weekend. There'll be a much changed Irish uh, team. You'd expect them to come out, uh, as Graham Emmy used to say, having chewed uh, barbed wire. But I think Irish rugby's <laughs> in a bad place right now. Internationally, I think their confidence is. Uh, has been hugely damaged, and uh, you know, and I would suspect the Wales want to do a job on Ireland, dent it even more to perhaps put them out of contention at the World Cup. I don't like to be the negative one on this show. Um, hmm. I think Wales have picked a very exciting side that could do potentially do a lot of damage to Ireland. However, um, I just feel like Ireland are going to are going to nick it. Um, they've got they got a lot of quality in that Irish side, even though it's, you know people are. Billing it as as sort of their second second rate side. You look at, at the likes of Peter Omani, um, then Bandiaki, Jacob Stockdale. You know, there's some good good players in that team, and I think you what we might see here is what we saw with Wales after they had a bad day at Twickenham. You know, they they were hurt, so they had, they knew they had to bounce back. There was a lot of criticism, a lot of people asking questions of them. Probably a lot of soul searching will have gone on in the Irish camp this week, certainly. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Welsh players in that side who haven't played yet. So, you know, how ready are they for this test match? You know, we saw, we always said that Wales look rusty at Twickenham. Well, this is basically a side that hasn't played for a long time. So all those things combined, perhaps a few Welsh players might be inclined to try a bit hard as well. Yeah. I, it just it just feels like to me that, that they might come unstuck here. But, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Wales won. So... Could I've be, said could, could be a draw as well. It could be a draw, but I have said I, I'm going to back. Um, I, I would say Ireland are probably going to clinch this uh, close game, maybe poor two tries. Uh, all right, I'll say something like tw- twenty-one fifteen to Ireland, something like that. I just think I look at that Ireland team, and they'll have worked on it, but tactically, I don't know where they are at the minute. They've relied for a year and a half, two years on box kicks. And and now suddenly they, they look like a team who doesn't know when or how to box kick. Um, and that's why I think the halfbacks could be important on the weekend. Obviously, it's a big game for Alid and Jared, but you've got Kieran Marmion and Jack Carty. Like, Carty's probably going to go to the World Cup as second or third choice, the way things are going with it. Good injuries. player, mind. Jack oh, Carty, good yeah. player. Yeah. He is good because he does play heads up rugby and he will ping the ball in at the corners if he thinks that's the best option. 
Should be a good game. Just say, say that, but then it probably won't be, will it? Must oh. change teams. Could yeah. be a bit scrappy, a bit niggly, but I'm sure we'll get something out of it. Anyway, on that nice positive note, uh, you can follow all the latest Welsh rugby news and the game itself on Wales Online.